Hey, and welcome back to a podcast entitled You Asked For It. It's uh, one where two pastors just try to talk through um, issues with the Christian life or faith or just things that are happening in our world and how we as Christians respond to those. Um, and Pastor Steve, that's what we are actually doing today. Um, just a reminder by who's listening, we are now recording this um, in front of a live audience on Wednesday night at our church, First Baptist Hendersonville. Um, but we had already planned a couple weeks ago to do a podcast on abortion when we'd set up the schedule. And this was before the news came out about the striking down of Roe versus Wade. And uh, you were already doing, re- doing a lot of research, Pastor Steve, you were, for this. And we know that this right here is the issue of the moment. And so um, what we want to try to do is do our best, that, the best that we can today to answer this faithfully, to give both scientific, biblical, and even just practical research about this. Um, but with that, the way we want to start is let's, let's look and see what the Supreme Court has actually said with cases dealing with this um, and what they've done in the past. We'll start all the way at the very beginning. In 1973, in Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court, the decision they made established the constitutional right to have an abortion in the first trimester. This meant no state could impose regulations on abortions in the first 13 weeks of pregnancy. So if I'm not mistaken, at that point, it, you know, you could just couldn't say it there. It didn't necessarily put limitations on it at that point. Am I, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in a subsequent case of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, it reaffirmed the Roe decision, but changed the framework a little bit. In Casey versus Supreme Court, it decided that the states can't create laws that pose an undue burden on, in other words, make it really hard for, a person seeking an abortion before fetal viability, which is the point at which a baby can officially survive outside, which their wording is, the birthing parent's body. Now, fetal viability, if you don't know what that is, it's typically considered about 24 weeks of pregnancy. But there's not a defined cutoff. It's, it's hard to fully understand. So it keeps, it keeps backing up with the treatments now. Absolutely. And so with this, it, you know, this varies from state to state. And then it leads to a new, a new law, which is the Mississippi law. And at the heart of this new ruling, it said that abortions could not happen after 15 weeks unless the life of the woman is in danger. Whereas, you know, Earlier, we had people that were pushing the you know, envelope farther and farther in some places. Mississippi was trying to draw it back. And Mark Walker, um, formerly um, one of our representatives in the country, he thought this would pass because this actually more fit in where the Roe versus Wade parameters and are. And that's what the decision is actually about that will be announced in June is the Mississippi law hmm. that, that banned abortion after 15 weeks. Gotcha. Okay, good, good. Um, and so and let me give you some, um, an idea of where we are right now. There are only six countries in the world that allow abortions after 12 weeks. Only, uh, you know, um, or I'm saying at, at any point throughout the entirety of pregnancy. Only, only six. Those countries are the United States, Canada, China, Vietnam, and both North and South Korea. Now, I don't know if you heard that, but three of those six countries are communist countries. And so this is not a personal rights thing there. This is a control of the government over the population is what that is. That is not good company to be in. Oh, I agree. I don't want to be with China and Vietnam and North Korea. No. And then, and then with this, here's what's really interesting. Europe, which is typically more progressive than even where we are, most of those nations ban abortion after 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting situation for where we are now, which yeah. leads to this current moment. moment. And, and, and here's right. what 
as someone who's lived a little longer, I have watched the pro-abortion rhetoric change. Mm. Uh, Clinton, for instance, President Clinton said he wanted abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. Mm. Now, that, that had been the phrase among the, quote, pro-choice crowd for quite some time. But now what we have is a militancy that's going beyond that. We have uh, the, a cry, shout your abortion. I, I went just a short time ago and got on my computer and saw the pictures from our abortion rally that happened in Hendersonville on this last Saturday. The signs were full of profanity. They, it, was, it was a horrible thing. In the, in the demonstrations outside the Supreme Court, one woman put a doll baby under her shirt and took a knife and stabbed the doll baby underneath her shirt. Another baby, one threw a baby on the ground and stomped the baby. So it's, it, we, we're talking about a, a, a militancy that wasn't there originally. Hmm. Um, on this particular, and we also had something happen this week. Uh, in, in response to the possibility of Roe being put, put down, uh, Chuck Schumer had the Senate have a vote on a very radical bill. It would go farther than we've ever gone before. That particular bill said that all abortion up to nine months with no conscience exceptions for medical workers mm. would be allowed, would, be, would have been approved. 49 Democrats voted for it. One Democrat had voted against it. That was Joe Manchin. We have two uh, pro-choice Republican senators, the two ladies, uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, and they both voted no because they thought this is too, uh, this is too radical. Mm. There needs to be conscious exceptions. We're not talking about uh, legalizing in every state up through nine months to the time of birth. Mm. So that's that's what happened this last week. Yeah, and that and and for those maybe you don't know, that was in response to the leaked document um, that yeah. came from the Supreme Court. Well, it was leaked from the Supreme, you know, that, that was written by Justice Alito, who in the document was claiming that the law that was being, you know, of Roe versus Wade was faulty because the Constitution does not give a right to abortion mm-hmm. in the way that it's right. written. And he would put the issue back to states, right. you know. And, and by the way, place. I'm wondering if they haven't overplayed their hands mm. because they keep talking about 60% of America is pro-choice. That's the current stats out there. Yeah. But you've got to understand this. If you go beyond the first trimester, go to the second trimester, the numbers of Americans that approve abortion drops dramatically. Mm. Only 28% of Americans approve abortion in the second trimester, and only 13% of Americans approve abortion in the last trimester. Mm. So they were actually putting forth a bill that only 13% of Americans, if they understood it, would have backed. Wow, wow. Now, let me share with you, I've I've been reading what people are saying, and I've got some quotes here, and it concerns me, the, the reaction of Chuck Schumer and even our president, President Biden. And let me read you, Chuck Schumer, on the day after the leak happened, he said this, If the report is accurate, the Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restrictions of rights in the past 50 years, not just on women, but on on all Americans. The Republican-appointed justices' reported votes to overturn Roe Roe versus Wade would go down as an abomination. That's his term. Mm. That's a biblical term. One of the worst and most damaging decisions in modern history. So now, wait, he's not calling abortion an abomination. He's saying 
taking away someone's right for an abortion. Right, would be abomination. right. Let me just read you a verse where that abomination occurs in the New King James. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven, are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Is there anything more innocent than a baby in the womb? 63 million babies, their blood has been shed by innocent, have been shed. Wow. Uh, you, you, you reacted to me when we were talking about his words. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm blown away when he says that, like I said, he's not saying that abortion is abomination. He's saying taking that right away. He says that the worst and most damaging decision in modern history, he's saying that right there, taking someone's right away from an abortion is worse than the hundred plus years of us enslaving human beings because of the color of their skin. If that is not calling evil good and good evil, then mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I yeah. mean, that's an amazing thing to see. I don't understand that. I know. Well, President Biden had an interesting remark. He said this on the day or so after. Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded, that the existence of human life and being is a question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is it quickening like Aquinas argued Biden asked? So he's saying no religion has even decided when life happens in the womb. Has he checked his own religion out, the Roman Catholic (laughs) Church? Because they have never wavered. They have said that they believe that from the moment of conception, that that's a human life. Now, what's interesting to me about this particular quote is he talked about like Aquinas argued. Uh, Roe versus Wade actually mentions Aquinas Mm. in their argument. Uh, And if you read the fine print, you know, it always is pages and pages. And they talked about one of the things that that, that Aquinas said. He said that in lining up with with, uh, Aristotle, he said that a boy becomes a full human 40 days after his conception, a girl 80 days after conception. So I'm sure that would fly real well today. <laughs> but, uh, but here's what, the, when they're quoting Aristotle, I was me, quoting Aquinas, they also don't mention the fact that Aquinas actually was against abortion. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And then, like you said, there's plenty <laughs> of other hosts of quotes from the first 200 oh, years yeah. of church history where, I mean, you have leaders there who are clearly against abortion. It, all, tr- all of Christian history, we've been against abortion. Mm. Which leads to uh, the very thing that we can look at the Bible. And the Bible is very clear on this. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't leave anything up to guess. Um, the Bible teaches that there is nothing less than a human life inside the womb. I mean, listen mm-hmm. to a couple of these passages. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, it says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's wombs. My mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I like this. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And that's one of many passages that talk about how that's life inside the womb. But, but one of my favorite Bible stories is the Christmas story. Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, who was, thought she'd never have a child, an older woman, gets pregnant. She's six months along. Mary is, receives the announcement from the angel, and she runs immediately. So, so, the, so the conception has just happened. The miraculous conception has just happened. And so she runs to see her aunt. Probably that baby inside of her is a week old, maybe two weeks old. And, and when 
she walks in the room. John, we call him John the Baptist, but he's probably John the Pentecostal. <laughs> because it's, she said, my, that baby leaped in the womb when you came in with, my, with the Savior. So he, he didn't, the Bible doesn't say that there was jiggling of fetal cells on a uterine wall. Mm. You have Jesus and John the Baptist in each other's presence inside their mother's wombs, mm. distinctly uh, unique individuals. That's good. That's good. Uh, but we've talked about this, Justin. We've got to go and do more than just say the Bible says this is wrong. Mm. We, we've got to present the facts. And one of the things that's changed, in fact, I, I was reading a, a book by Chip Ingram, and he talks about if you'll notice, and I was noticing it this week, the rhetoric has changed. They're, they're changing from pro-choice to pro-decision, you know, those kind of things. And, but, but they're now calling it babies. We have the right to take a baby out of a womb. Uh, you, 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 because when it first started in the 1970s, if, if a young woman went to a Planned Parenthood uh, office, um, she would be told, this is a massive uterine of, of, of cells on a uterine wall, we'll remove it. Almost like a wisdom teeth being taken out. No concept of that being a human. I heard a testimony that broke my heart. There was a young woman who in the, in the 70s found out as a college student that she was pregnant. That did not fit her life right then. She went to Planned Parenthood. They said, we can take care of your problem. We'll just remove those cells from the uterine wall, and you can go on with life and fulfill your dreams. And so they said, we'll take care of your problem. And she had that done. Some years later in her college, she saw a sonogram. Mm. And she saw what that baby looked like at the exact place where she had the abortion. Wow. She saw those hands. She saw those feet. It, 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 that was a real child. Wow. And she said this, they told me that abortion would take care of my problem, but all that it did was make me the mother of a dead child. Mm. She said every time she passed a playground from then on, she would look at children and think about the children that would be the age of the child that she gave away. Now, can I say this? Because we've got to keep this in mind, friends. When we talk about 63 million abortions, that means 63 million women have been a part of that. And we've got to say to them, and so many have their regrets like this woman, that yes, that was wrong, but the blood of Jesus still cleanses from all sin. Amen. We've got Amen. to love them and bring them to the point where they can get forgiveness. Yeah. But look, look how it's changed. Look, look what happens. We now know that at least by six weeks, the heart is beating. Mm. I have read recently that it might be 21 days, but, but you can put the stethoscope on the mama's belly and hear a heartbeat at six weeks. We know, and this is a key fact, this, every scientist knows that at least by the 20-week mark that that baby in the womb can feel pain. Oh. Mm. And you were telling me about somebody who testified before Congress and talked about that doctor, what he does, it's, it's horrific yeah. what happens. In a, we're not going to repeat that here, yeah. but it's horrific what's done. And that baby is feeling the pain. Mm. Ralph Warnock is a senator from Georgia. He also proudly calls himself a pro-life pastor. Pro-choice pastor. Pro-choice, pro, pro you're right. Pro-choice pastor. And, and he used this quote that I've heard so many times. He said, I believe a doctor's office is too small for a patient. They're doctors in the U.S. government. Mark Walker, when we were having a meeting with him with some pastors, he's a former pastor himself, a former congressman as well. When somebody brought that up, he said, now they say, we can't speak to the woman. We can't speak to the parents. 
He said, well, who speaks for the baby? Mm. And see, the whole point of these laws that are trying to restrict abortion is this. We're basically saying, wouldn't you say that the government has as a duty it's duty to protect those who are helpless, defenseless, who are, here we are, outraged at what happened in Buffalo, mm. where somebody who was white went in to destroy people because they were black. That's horrible. Yeah. We would say, we, we need to see that that stopped. Somebody, uh, you can't have a person with a gun walk in and just indiscriminately kill. Who is more helpless than a baby in the womb? Mm. And we, are, we have people saying, no protection there. That's all that we're asking for. That's a child. Let's protect that child. Yeah, yeah. And I think with that, I think we are going to, over time, who knows of the stories of people that um, we're missing out on. So, for instance, I'll I'll give you two examples of of, of people that chose life, and because of that, we reap the benefits of it now. Daniel Ritchie, who is a man who spoke for one of our winter retreats one time, an incredible guy, um, he doesn't have arms, and he tells the story of when he was born. Um, He said that when he was born... He came out of the womb and he was not breathing, and um, and the doctor saw that he had no arms either. And so the he was holding by his feet. The doctor was holding by his feet in his head, and he looked at the dad and he says, "Do you want me to do anything about it?" And he responded, "You do whatever you got to do to make my son live." And imagine, imagine if that would not have been the case. Well, first of all, imagine the doctor saying that to you. Do you want me? Do you really want me to save your son? I mean, is he going to have life with no arms? Right. But imagine if that's not what had been chosen. Yeah. The amount of lives that Daniel Ritchie has affected. I mean, he now goes and speaks at these massive pro-life rallies, all these kind of things. And imagine if that would not have happened. Another story that I told you the other day, my grandmother found out about three years ago that at the age of 75 that she was adopted. Could you imagine that at 75 years old, like just finding out that you're adopted? And they started tracing all this and trying to figure all this out. And, and what they found out is that her parents could not have kids. And, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, you, I mean, you didn't talk about getting pregnant out of wedlock, any of those kind of things. And what they found out was there was a, a young girl who had gotten pregnant and scared out of her mind. And my great-grandparents went to her and said, basically, if you will keep this baby, if you'll make sure we will raise this baby and, and treat her as our own, we'll protect her. That was my grandmother. That means now, because they chose life, my dad came from that. I came from that. My kids came from that. There is four generations, three generations of people that are here now because they chose life. Mm-hmm. Imagine what other stories could be out there if that yeah. was the case. Or imagine what we've missed because that, you know, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't happening. Yes. So I think that's something that we need to think about in that of what are the stories of redemption that we're missing because we've mm-hmm. allowed this to go on for so well, long. So, absolutely. Now, Pastor Steve, I know you want to say something about right here at the end about how we want to talk about this. If decision is made, how, you know, where is our place in this? I think what we've got to look at, we've got, we've got a couple of things we've got to keep in mind. That if Roe is struck down, that does not mean that there is no abortion in America. It sends it to the states. And that means we Christians are going to have to work state by state to protect the lives of those babies in the womb. Hmm. Now, we've got a lot of work ahead of us in, in North Carolina. Because this is a state that's a very divided state on this particular issue. I think we've also got to make sure that we are in love presenting the truth mm. about those lives. Yeah. Uh, I have read recently that 80% of women who go into, who are going to have an abortion once they see a sonogram decide not to. Wow. Because they see that's a baby. Yeah. We've got to just get out the fact 
that's a baby. Mm. And that'll be our task. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us um, for another podcast. I know this was a big subject, but we hopefully, hopefully, we hope that it was helpful for you as we talk through it. Um, look forward to the next one that's coming out soon in a couple of weeks. Um, but thank you for joining us. Remember to subscribe on whatever podcast um, you know that you use, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. And also, I know if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for joining us as well. Make sure you share it with your friends and look forward to the next one coming out. Bye.